right. So you were just listening to the song Doctors and Churches by Miss Vincent. And we're going to be talking to Alex, their lead singer, in just a few minutes here. In case you haven't been here before, we are I'm Not Okay, I Podcast. And we're a weekly music podcast that details new releases and upcoming bands. So I'm Elena. And I'm Stormy. And that's actually the best, best way we've ever done that intro. So... Two in, two in a row. Two in a row. So we did one, and then I I messed up the recording, so we had to do it a second time. But it ended up even better. So maybe we should just use that as a pre-recording. All um, works out in the end. No, just use I, like I a like... Siri voice for the band name <laughs> each time. Y'all listening to? No, that's like, that's the song. For, that's the uh, intro from a Chase Atlantic song. You're listening to Chase Atlantic. <laughs> Oh God. Uh, okay, so I think we're going to go ahead and jump into new music this week because there's a lot, and I have to get through it real quick. So I guess, uh, first of all, I'm going to start off with the super obvious ones. Um, Miley Cyrus released a song called Slide Away, and I do want to say something about this because I'm not necessarily saying that Miley p- plans her life events around her new releases, but she did just break up with Liam and uh, this is a breakup song. I have suspicions about celebrities and their breakups. Either it's a very very good timing or she's a marketing genius. Like, <laughs> that's nuts. Anyway, Macklemore released a song with IRO called Shadow. Uh, Waterparks released a song called Dream Boy. Grandson released a song called Rock Bottom. Paris released another single called Hallucinations. Yumi at Six released a song called What's It Like? Monsta X released a song called Carry On. There's a Being as an Ocean song called Find Our Way. And this is interesting. NoFX released a song called Fish in a Gun Barrel. Rome released a song called Hand Grenade. Press Club released a new song called Behave. Sleep On It released a new song called Hold Your Breath. Worthless released a new song called Happy. Boys of Fall released a single called Fake Smiles. And then a lot of stuff this week I found on a a new punk playlist, I guess. Hold on one second. My cat's on the counter. Pancakes! (laughs) What the fuck, dude? Anyway, but we already talked about this song because you heard it at the top of the episode. Miss Vincent released their song Doctors and Churches this week. So it's super new and super good. And we talk a lot about the motivation behind that song in the interview. So stay tuned for the entirety of it. Very cool. And then where was I? Oh, uh, Millington released a song called University, which means that Ska's not dead and you can fight me. (laughs) The Decline released a song called It Was Always You. Rarity released a song called A Numbness. One Up released a song called Last Call, and they're like super uh, pop punk. It was really good. They don't have very many songs out, but I really liked them. PNKR released a song called Anaheim. That's really good. Settle Your Scores released a song called My Reason to Come Back Home to Electric Boogaloo. That's amazing. Yeah, it made me laugh really hard. That's so <laughs> so I had to include it. Okay, and then albums. Atreyu released a deluxe version of In Our Wake. So if you want to check that out, there's a few more songs on that. Dying and Designer released his freshman album. He has not released a full album yet. This is the first one. And it's called Nobody's Happy. And it's really, really good. And then Certainty 
released a song, uh, an album called Temporary Love. <laughs> I got tongue-tied on that one. It's really, really good, too. Also, as a side note, I think that when they the second American Revolution comes, eventually they're going to write a musical about it, and I need grandson to write the whole musical. Oh, that would be so good. Right? So good. So good. That's such <laughs> so a good. good idea. Or they could just write the... Uh, the soundtrack to the first American Revolution, I guess, would work. <laughs> All right. Is that it for new music? That is it for new music. I mean, there was tons this week. I didn't even cover all of it, but there there would be no way. We would not have any time. We'll put some on the playlist. Yeah. And again, for anybody that's new, you can find our playlist on our episode notes. I'll have one that details the new releases and then one detailing the music that we talk about in our interview section. Yeah. And then... I just want to spotlight an up-and-coming artist that I found this week, and they're called Rivers, like R-I-V-H-E-R-S, Rivers. Yeah, because they're from Audible too, right? Right. They say that I, right? They say it wrong? Pennybridge. Pennybridge. <laughs> <laughs> so I reached out to them to get a sample of their song Stargaze. We're going to play that right now. Come walk with me I'll take you through hell and back in a day Come fly with me I'll take you to the moon And we'll stargaze away Alright, and then they also sent me a brief bio that I'd just like to go over so that people can kind of get a taste of who they are. That is, Rivers is a four-piece alternative band from Pennybridge, Sweden, <laughs> and consists of Philip Berman for vocals and guitar, Benito Scarp for drums, Jacob Anderson, guitar, and Johnny Swanstrom for bass. Rivers started officially in the late spring of 2018. At the time, Philip performed as a solo act with the other guys as backing musicians, and after a show in Pennybridge, we started talking about how we had started writing music together lately. And there and then, Rivers was created. But before that, we have played together since the summer of 2016 when Philip asked Jacob, Benito, and Marcus, the bass player at the time, to perform with him at live shows. Philip released an EP and we played some shows together before Rivers began. Since last year, we have released our debut EP, December 2018, and have played a bunch of shows around in Sweden. Right now, we are soon to be done recording our next EP that hopefully will be released before 2019 ends. We have then been booked on this year's Live at Heart and a local festival called Bring Back the Noise. We have some ambitious plans for the release that we are working hard to accomplish and have even more unrecorded material that we hopefully can release in 2020. So if you would like to follow them, you can check them out on Facebook at Rivers Official or on Instagram Rivers underscore. And then of course, Apple and Spotify. All right. And so then without further ado, we're going to get to our interview for this week. And that, again, is with Alex of Miss Vincent. And we had a really, really good time doing it. So we hope you enjoy it. All right, so we're here with Alex from Miss Vincent. We played a sample from their song Doctors and Churches at the top of the episode. And they're based out of Southampton, England. See, I'm already fucking it up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for jumping in with us, Alex. Thank you guys for having me. So 
just assuming that our listeners don't know a lot about you, I'm going to ask you a couple like questions that kind of give them a taste for you as an individual and the music that I guess you're inspired by and that you make. So the first one that I have for you is which bands would you put on your heavy rotation playlist? Oh, um, how many can I say? (laughs) However many you need to get. Okay. So Alkaline Trio, obviously Mm -hmm. they are pretty much top of the God tier. The Ramones, um, who are absolutely top of the God tier. Green Day, AFI, Bad Religion. Um, who else? Johnny Cash, Ooh. The Damned. Um, my mind's gone blank. <laughs> Johnny Cash was an interesting one in there. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it, it's a strange one. Like, our band has kind of done basically we, we've kind of like evolved together like ever since we formed and so like we all started out over a, a common love of like three or four bands and then over time loads and loads of different influences have kind of percolated into our sounds yeah so, like, absolutely I, I'm, I'm a big johnny cash guy laurie our guitarist for example loves frank sinatra um and yeah like loads and loads of like vintage bands like um I'm a massive fifties music fan. Like I love Danny and the juniors and Dion and the Belmonts and like all these kind of original wave rock and roll bands. But at the same time, I love the misfits. I love, you know, AFI, um, all that kind of like horror punk stuff and original punk. Well, and that was something that I noticed the first time I listened to you guys was, uh, it, to me, it sounds like you've got a lot of old school rock influence mixed with a lot of like new punk emo type things going on and i thought that was super interesting i've never heard something like that before oh thank you that's that's pretty you pretty much nailed it like basically you know like i said we've kind of evolved together and the kind of vintage stuff has always been something that we've been into but never like we've kind of built up the confidence to use those influences Mm -hmm. if you see what i mean um yeah so yeah there's like we, we started out basically sounding like you know your average punk band and then mm. you know our second EP was like basically AFI and then our third EP we started with the vintage stuff and now we're kind of trying to develop that a bit more just because it's something that we love doing and also because you know I don't think there are that many bands using that that kind of influence in their music so much definitely not um, so eclectic yeah yeah it's, yeah yeah I think I just think it's super interesting to the way that you guys are I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this. Using that influence, but also putting a spin on it so it's your own thing. I just really, I, I really respect that. It's really, really cool. How is the oh, way that... Kind of say it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, it, 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 it took a bit of confidence to try and, like, yeah. actually take our own things into it that weren't so obvious. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah, you know. It's, I, I just, I really like that because I'm super into that style of music like dean martin is one of my favorites of all time and me and my dad go to like rockabilly stuff all the time so i just that kind of dirty word though you can't use that word well yeah in indiana it's different right in america it's cool (laughs) well no no it it, like i i think it's cool my my girlfriend says that rockabilly is where punks go to die (laughs) i don't think that's fair it's a very different Um, spin on it (laughs) here here it's like uh they have like festivals but over like uh we have a it's like a car show music festival thing 
where they do like <laughs> old school amazing. rock and roll and then have like cars from just lining the streets. It's super cool. So, that sounds so Midwest. It's not even funny. It, uh, I guess. May I, I would I would 100% yeah. attend that. Yeah. Oh, I would too. <laughs> it's just like not something that we would have here. But it just, yeah, it's just like a, you guys it, immediately as soon as I listened, I was like, ooh, this sounds like new, like, I don't know, Stray Cats. Like, I get that feeling from you guys. Just oh, like, yeah. yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> Well, when I sent her your guys' information, she's like, oh my God, they're from the UK. Like, they sound like classic American rock. <laughs> Man, we get we get that so much. Like, I honestly think if we if we were American, we would kind of basically be doing a lot better than we are right now. You think? Um, I think... Yeah, 100%. I think that you could get... Because they have that kind of music all over the place, especially here in the Midwest and like in Nashville and stuff. I mean, they have like festivals dedicated to that style, but I like the way you guys do it is so much different than the way a lot of other people do it because you have so much newer influence too, I think. I don't know. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Basically, cool. we, we basically try and like tread the line between being a vintage band, but we're a modern yeah. band. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, I like that a lot. And yeah, that's, that's basically what we're trying to do. We, we're, we're a modern punk rock band, but at the same time, you know vintage vintage rock and roll is really yeah. cool like like it doesn't it, it doesn't matter who, you, who you've heard and who you've not heard you, you hear it and you're like that you know t- to me there, there was kind of two waves of rebellion and the first one was like rock and roll in the 50s you know what i mean when you had all your greases and stuff oh, yeah. like that and then like 20 years later you had the ramones and the whole cbgb scene and then you had the you know the um the british punk scene yeah. kind of kind of doing the same thing so like to me, they're very, very close. You know, you, you had a lot of kind of bands from the 70s, like, um, you know, Ramones covered Do You Want to Dance? Um, the Clash obviously had a massive hit with I Fought the Law, which is a cricket song. And Blondie covered um, uh, Now I'm Gonna Love You Too and all this kind of stuff. So, like, to me, that there's not a big jump no, there. No, yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But for some reason, people don't really seem to put two and two together that often. Yeah, which so is why I, I loved that you guys were doing it. So going back to the first question, I want to play off that a little bit. Do you think that you appeal to the listener bases of the bands that you listed? Or are you a little more removed from that? That is a very good question. Because, like, the people that come to our shows, it's it's such a weird mix, you know? Yeah. Like, we kind of have, like, 77 punks, (laughs) like, you know, with the big mohawk and the studded jackets and, you know, like, we we have a little bit of kind of um, pushback from that kind of scene as well. Where like, if you don't sound like the sex pistols, you're not punk, which obviously I don't, I don't think is true at all. Um, So we have those guys coming to our shows. We have, um, you know, like I'm a, a, I'm I'm guessing you guys are as well because the name of this podcast, but I was always a big Mike M fan. Yep. (laughs) And um, like, you know, we have kind of uh, people that now, now kind of listen to, you know, Creeper and As It Is and all this kind of stuff coming to our shows as well. And then you've got the kind of like, um, you know, beardy punk guys as well. <laughs> yeah. You know, the guys who are kind of like still listening to Lagwagon these days. And, yeah. you know, they've kind of got their, their big ass beards and their, you know, um, corduroy coats with the kind of, uh, sh- you know, sheepskin collars and all this kind of stuff. So like, it's such a massive range of people that come to our shows you got like the goth kids and the punk kids and some indie kids and some kind of like rockabilly guys as well so like you know i think our our kind of blessing is that we can hang with a lot of people but also that's kind of a curse because people don't know where to 
pigeonholing. Yeah. You know, like right. we've, we've been on pop punk tours and we've been on goth tours and like half the audience is like, oh, I love this because it sounds like Alkaline Trio. And, you know, the other half is like, what? You're not Nicky. Go on. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but dude, come on. Who cares? I love that. Like, I loved mixed lineups. I think yeah. it's really cool. Like, I just you can get to bring something to the show. You can get to see. I, I think that you can appeal to way more people the way that you are kind of. I don't want to say genreless, but like it, it just it goes it crosses a bunch of different it's barriers. fluid yeah. yeah 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 massively that's cool genre fluid yeah we we embrace that do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i'm basically everybody's welcome at our shows if you as long as you're not an asshole everyone's welcome at our shows <laughs> and what's the most inspiring show that you've been to like in the audience ever yeah ever like ever 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 um, ever oh cool right uh it doesn't have to be one you can if you have more oh, than one man. it's fine i saw green day at the milton Keynes bowl oh. in uh 2005 where they did bullet in a bible that dvd um i was there on that day and that was like a very transformative experience um you know jimmy eat World and taking back sunday were two of the support acts oh my um, god that's a lineup that just that gave me shivers like a dream <laughs> i mean first of all that's ridiculous second of all it was like a sixty thousand people like mm arena it wasn't like an arena it was like basically this big grass bank that all led down to the stage and it was just amazing like so that that would be d- definitely one um uh um another one is kind of off piece and it's not cool to talk about them anymore because their singer turned out to be one of the biggest assholes on the planet but um i i went to see aiden in 2006 at the uh, astoria in london and i've never to this day witnessed a show that has like the same level of energy and pure danger like you know I was I was I forget how old I was but you know I was kind of that age where I was like this angry little punk kid wearing his tartan jeans and his dms and you know like genuine feral energy from that show kind of you know just blew my mind um more recently I saw Rancid at the Forum in London a few years back. Um, and, you know, I, I go, going to kind of like kind of more traditional punk shows has always been a kind of weird experience for me because some of them are great and some of them are just violent and horrible. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah um, I understand that. that. One, yeah. 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 And, and that one, they had like this big sign outside that said, uh, you know, you're not allowed to wear, um, team colors because in in the uk we have a well i wouldn't say it's a big problem but we have a a a slight issue with kind of um like rivalries between soccer teams and stuff like that and um you know if one dude's wearing one shirt and the guy's wearing another shirt and they both they both had at least two beers then you can pretty much guarantee there's going to be a fight and then everyone else is going to get involved and before you know it like the whole show is ruined but like that 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 one in particular um I just remember like the, the level of community was something that I hadn't seen up until that point. Um, and like, that was amazing. You know, like the whole belonging at a punk show has, you know, it's basically the thing that got me through my teenage years and it's still something that is massively important to me. Um, so that, that was great. Uh, the cure at Wembley arena in oh 2016. Oh my God. 
They played I need to live three your hours. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm condensing a lot of years here. Yeah. I've been to a lot of bad shows as well. But um, yeah, The Cure in, in, in 2016 was incredible. I've never, ever awesome. seen an entire arena be so silent in between songs. Well, like they'd play a song yeah. and everybody would just sit there, fixated on the stage. Like nobody said a word the whole show. You know, you've, you've, you've always got that one that's asshole crazy. at the back that's like had a few too many beers and talking to his mates and being a bit of a loud asshole. But there was just nobody. Like every everybody was just fixated on the stage the whole time. And most recently, we played with this band, Mast Intruder, uh, a few weeks back at the Joiners in Southampton. And again, that was just like a, a massive reminder of the level of community and the level of pure and unadulterated joy that a punk show can bring. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen them, but they're their live show is just basically flawless. And no, I, I just I just left the show with the biggest smile on my face and I was like, my band needs to be more like that because they were incredible. Like so good. Um yeah, I'm sure there's more. But no, absolutely. <laughs> those but those sounds like some experiences. I was not expecting yeah. that honestly. Yeah. Yeah. You gave me the chills of the cure. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I would love to um, see them there. I, I went to see them in Hyde Park in London last year for their 40th anniversary. I just, oh. I, I love the oh. Oh. They're just great. That's got to be such a good show. That would be like a bucket list one for me. Yeah, if you haven't seen them, you have to. Yeah. Like, um, the first time I saw them, um, me and my girlfriend went to London and stayed there for, for the night. And, you know, we, we had to buy like aftermarket tickets. Like, it was sold out and... You know, I way overpaid for those, but Whatever. I don't care. Yeah, I, I paid three hundred dollars to see AFI last night as an opening slot. <laughs> Were they? Are they opening that tour? Yes, they played eight songs. So wait, don't they have? Oh no! Way. I was pissed when I found out. But yeah, because they got like Noel Gallagher on that. Tour. Yeah, Noel Gallagher and the Smashing about? Pumpkins. Yeah, <laughs> like Christ. I mean, you know. I mean, I, I'm I'm not an Oasis fan, you know. I, no, for, we for hung out the lawns for that one. Get <laughs> yeah, don't get it at all. Uh-huh. And that's a strange support for Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, anyway, it was strange. So. I like his solo work. It's a lot better than Oasis, I would say. Oh, yeah, it's better but than Oasis. And he's a great songwriter. I was like, but. I feel like he maybe should have been the opener opener. But that is yeah. totally unrelated to what we were talking about. <laughs> and then for my taste, you could just switch Smashing Pumpkins and AFI around and just give it felt the same way. Even my boyfriend, <laughs> yeah. my boyfriend's not even like a punk listener, but we left that show and he's like, wow, I really feel like AFI should have closed out because they're the ones with all of the energy. By the time we left and we left like a few songs before Smashing Pumpkins ended, we were just like, all right, everything sounds the same at this point and they're not moving around the stage so <laughs> they're one of those bands that you either love or you just don't really get See, I, think. I like them in small doses i think it is like i've just never sat there and <laughs> yeah, listened to them too. for an hour and a half <laughs> that's yeah. they're not my thing at all yeah yeah I, I don't mind them you know they're very very good at what they do i'm just not sure that what they do is exactly for me yeah i feel yeah, the exact so. same way that's that's yeah i'm on that page too all right so speaking of yeah. say it's a few years from now you guys are doing like a long international tour where you're headlining, who would you pick for your support lineup? Wow. Um, <laughs> well, it depends on the size of venues, I guess. Again, like, just like whatever suits your answers. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, in an ideal world, we'll be playing stadiums in a few years' time, and I'll just be able to take, like, you know, Alkaline Trio, Mast Intruder, 
Um, who else would I take on tour? Uh, I would take this band from uh, Boston, Massachusetts called Energy, who we toured with a few years back in the UK, purely because like that tour is basically one of my greatest memories of being in a band. And like, although they are basically all functioning alcoholics, <laughs> <laughs> they're just the greatest people you can possibly hope to be on tour with so i'd definitely take them i think that'd be Aww, a pretty good lineup. that sounds like a good lineup also if alkaline ever, like us supporting alkaline trio would be nonsense that would be amazing you could totally so if do they supported it us, then i would basically like, <laughs> i'd have to come off that tour and like have myself cryogenically frozen or something because i, I just need to like preserve that moment <laughs> you'd never recover huh it would just be insane i would i would never recover from that. oh it'd be so cool no, you guys could totally open for them. Like, it wouldn't be unreasonable, I feel that, like. Yeah, basically, if they tour, I'm going to be calling everybody. Like, our manager is going to be getting hourly texts. <laughs> like, are we on that tour yet? I'm, I'm going to need you to get me on that. I, I don't know how you have to do it. Do whatever yeah. you got to do. It's fine. Yeah, I, there is there is nothing I wouldn't do to get on that tour. <laughs> and I mean nothing. <laughs> like, absolutely nothing. So that calls me to the name of your band. That's from an Alkaline Trio song, right? It is. It is. Um, although we're not actually named specifically after it. So basically, because I'm such a massive Alkaline Trio fanboy, um, I heard the line in Queen of Pain, which is an um, Alkaline Trio song. And quite as you do, I'm like, oh, there must be a wicked story behind that because that's quite a specific line. Right. Um turns out it was just about a friend of his that lived in New York um, and there wasn't really a whole lot behind it but while I was googling it I found this completely unrelated story about um, this woman who lived in London uh, called Joyce Vincent and um, she was like mid-40s living on her own uh, and she just died of like shock heart failure one day watching tv near Christmas wrapping presents for her family Um, and nobody found her for two years Holy and the only shit. reason they found her, yeah, so she was just lying dead in her flat for two years in the middle of London. A person who is not old, did not have any pre-existing health conditions, just literally, you know, freak thing with, you know, whatever it is, like heart failure or whatever, just dropped dead sitting there watching TV. And um, yeah, so the only reason they found her was, uh, you know, obviously stopped paying all her bills. Um, but... You think it would be sooner than two years? Yeah, nuts. Well, you'd think, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a whole documentary about it that I've I've since watched and, you know, um, you know, it's a fantastic documentary. It's called Dreams of a Life. It was on Netflix for a while. Um, And yeah, it's just like this, this story that completely stopped me in my tracks. And like, you know, the the headline was one of those kind of classic online news headlines where it was like, woman lies dead in flat for two years and nobody finds her. And I was like, what? (laughs) So I read it and it was just like a massively like tragic but at the same time really like weirdly touching do you know what I mean yeah um and so I actually ended up writing a song called Miss Vincent um that was that ended up being our first single sort of quite a long time ago um and yeah so that that was when we were literally starting out as a band and um we didn't have a name so (laughs) we needed a name and the song had its name changed and we just took the name of the song oh I love it yeah yeah i mean i do love the fact that the people who are in the know kind of go did you get your name for an alkali trio song and i go well we're gonna be friends (laughs) (laughs) so yeah 
No, that story is just fascinating yeah. to me. I don't understand how it, somebody goes yeah. two years without... I gotta look into that. It's morbid and tragic. Seriously, just Google Joyce Vincent. I will as soon as we get off the There's call. <laughs> loads, loads of stuff on it. Loads of stuff on I'm it. I'm about to write that down so I don't forget it. I know. Stormy and I love sort of unsolved weird things. Yeah, I guess I mean, it's solved. Think, it's not like a mystery, but... Yeah, she wasn't like killed or yeah, anything. No. But the, the weird thing is, is that when they when they um you know broke down the door and you know found her the tv was still playing and um you know in the uk you, we have to pay this thing called the tv license every year so you can get a certain amount of channels or whatever uh-huh. and you know they say you know if you don't pay it we'll cut your tv off yeah, that's obviously <laughs> definitely not true because <laughs> two years later her tv was still playing so oh my god you know my motivation to pay that has definitely gone through the <laughs> All right. And do you want to give us a little bit of background on your newest single, which is Doctors and Churches, the one that we played at the top of the episode? Yeah. So that came out very, very recently. Um, It's it's a song that we've actually sort of had in various forms for a number of years. Um, Like we wrote we wrote that in its initial form a long time ago. Um, and it didn't make it onto any of our EPs because it just wasn't that good, to be honest. Like it had this great riff, which is the riff that's in the song now. And pretty much everything else was different. You know, some of the instrumentation was the same, but you know, I, I, I sort of just happened across the, the, the riff on like a bunch of old demos one day and thought that's still good. I've got to make something out of that. And, um, I had this sort of weird patch of creativity where I wrote, um, Melanie, which is yeah. a single we released last year. Uh, I rewrote that and I wrote another song, which is recorded and as yet unreleased um, in the space of like a day and a half, like full demos, complete instrumentation, everything. And the the idea with that song was basically like um, to kind of create tension and be a bit like frenetic and then relieve it all with this massive anthemic chorus with all these backing vocals like you know like i said we're massive bad religion fans we work really really hard on our harmonies um you know we do all of those live um and we practice them a lot so you know that that was kind of the basic idea for the song um and then i just kind of came up with a melody and the song itself is kind of like um it's, it's quite it's quite a difficult one to explain like uh, where w- because we just released it i've just had to you know write kind of loads of little blurbs for it for different people and you know playlists and, and you know um websites and whatever and it's quite a difficult one to explain because the subject matter is basically everything um right. it's more of a song about a state of mind um like i love a bunch of existential writers and stuff like that and so you know one of my favorites is this dude john paul sartre who you know some of his stuff is quite difficult to read because it's very very heavy and almost kind of academic in its way but um you know he's written amazing novels amazing plays that is just about about this kind of like existential state of mind where you know you kind of you know when someone asks you what's wrong and you're kind of like i don't know but everything is wrong because like have you ever considered how absurd the entire world is and how like meaningless existence is and all this kind of stuff and um so 
you know, years ago when I first discovered him, that was kind of like a eureka moment for me. Like, oh man, there's like a, there's a name for this and, and people actually think like this and it's okay to think like that. And I'm not crazy. Um, and so the whole song is basically like sort of looking at the meanings that people give life or have life give them because Sartre's basic thing is like, um, existence precedes essence. Um, no, essence precedes, I, I, I always get that the wrong way around. But anyway, it's basically like you give your own meaning to your life because life is absurd and meaningless. So any meaning that you consider it to have is, is, is yeah. from yourself. Right. Um, and life to me is often completely meaningless <laughs> in itself. So it's like, do you know what I mean? Like, so it just kind of goes round and round and round and round and round. And, 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 um, and, and this, the, the whole song is, is basically about that. You know, um, the, the name is actually from the original version of it. Um, and the, the, the name itself in the new version comes from this line, you know, all the, um, all the doctors in the churches combined can't save me. Because, you know, some people look to religion, some people um, rely heavily on, um, you know, kind of medical stuff. Like they, they kind of look for a reason for this, that and the other, you know. And so that that's kind of where the name comes from. And, and a lot of the themes are sort of related to that line of thinking. I love that um, line, by the way. Yeah, love I know. It. It's kind of like hopeless and wonderful. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> like now that you've explained it that way, I'm like, this is why I loved that song so much. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like searching for for a meaning in a in a world that is actually utterly devoid of it. Yeah, so, yeah, it's 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 a weird one. Um, no, it's, it's incredible a subject matter. But yeah, and I realize it's a very very long winded explanation. So no, I, I'm so glad <laughs> I think, that you did. Uh, that kind of the way that the riff on that song kind of how do I explain what I'm trying to say? It. I, it fits that idea a lot too because it's just it kind of seems like it's going in a circle if that makes sense i love the way yeah. and now that you explained yeah. it it's like that's really cool the way it it just blends together really cool yeah it's kind of an uncomfortable yeah room, do you know what i mean like it's almost a little uncanny like, like laurie would be able to tell you why it's uncomfortable because he's the music guy laurie has a, a you know a really good degree in music and he's he knows all the names of the notes whereas right. I'm, you know, i grew I, like my you know like i said at the top my, my favorite one my favorite band is the ramones i play three chords maybe four sometimes <laughs> that's how i am with my brother like i can i can play a little bit bit, bit bit of guitar but he's like music major he's a producer like he's good at that stuff so he can explain why i feel the way i feel when i'm listening to something but yeah i just know that i feel it yeah. So I understand what you mean. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I write everything on feel, which is massively frustrating sometimes when you can't think of anything or where you hate all your ideas, which is that's ninety percent of songwriting is mm-hmm. starting again. Yeah. So, you know. I, I think if, if I did know a bit more about the actual music, maybe that would make the process easier, but at the same time I don't want to kind of lose my kind of childish yeah. enthusiasm for well you have your own things that you bring to the table i think it's yeah yeah you don't have to be super well versed in every single thing that's going on because that's not necessarily coming back to you names (laughs) names of chords names of notes i'm getting better that um influence like your songwriting like do you guys go back and forth a lot with that kind of stuff because you have different 
ways of looking at it? Is that something that... Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way we normally end up doing it is I'll sit and write a bunch of songs, um, just demo them in Logic with, you know, horrible (laughs) software drums and, you know, pretty terrible guitar tones and some dubious vocal takes. And then I'll send them to the guys and be like, what do you think? And, you know, we'll collectively kind of figure out what we like about them, what we don't like. And then Laurie will normally take them and um, make them sound a bit better. Like, you know, just spend a bit more time on the kind of the the production of the demo rather than the kind of content if you see what i mean but then he'll be changing this and adding that and you know really kind of sprinkling you know the salt in the key places where because i'm basically trying to do like a kind of song vomit um i i I often overlook a lot of stuff um and so he'll he'll kind of like tart it all up and, and add some little genius bits here and there and then we'll take it to the practice room and owen will uh, who's our bass player he'll you know add bits here and there and nate our drummer who's he's just fantastic you know he's he's our kind of quote-unquote new drummer this <laughs> like two years um the newer one right yeah he, he's he's <laughs> definitely in the same camp as laurie you know he's also got a music degree he's extremely knowledgeable about it and you know has fantastic ideas as well so it, it's kind of like a bit of a process to get the song mm. finished um but It's quite an, like, I hate the word, but it's quite an organic way of writing, Mm -hmm. um, which is important to us. I don't want to be forcing anything. I want us to do whatever comes naturally. I don't want us to be trying to join a scene or do things because we think it's going to be popular or any nonsense Mm -hmm. things like that, that unfortunately I think a lot of bands tend to slip into the trap of. I mean, what you're doing essentially is just making drafts. Yeah, pretty so when much. you start with the first thing, you're like, hey, this is the direction that I want to head in and everybody piles on after that. I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it works. We, we yeah. <laughs> well, I like the way we write. <laughs> I can't speak to the others, but they well, seem cool. <laughs> I think it's good to uh, start with a feeling like you do, like when, you, when you're doing that song vomit or whatever, because you can't fake um, the feeling of it. You can fix notes and you can fix how it sounds and all that stuff, but like you can't fix the underlying feeling that you're putting into it originally. So I think I I'm just, I think there's a merit to not doing everything super technically at at first. Yeah. We talk about that a lot on here actually, because I feel like that's a big trope with like punk and emo music is that Mm -hmm. everybody's connected to the feeling. Yeah. Not necessarily the technical aspects. Yeah. That's not to say they're not important. It's just no, yeah, absolutely. That's not the that's not the place that I start from. It's, it's always got to be yeah. a, you know, a kind of a vibe to the song yeah. or a feeling that I'm working with or whatever. So you know, that's always awesome. got to be the, the place to start for me. Yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna diverge a little bit. I was looking into like your previous show and touring history, and I just realized that you've played with a lot of bigger bands like As It Is and Microwave and yeah. Dollskin. And I was just wondering, which artists have you performed with that left the biggest impression on you, like, as a performer? Like, was there anybody that influenced your style of performing? Um, I think every band that you play with, for better or worse, influences how you are Mm -hmm. after you've played that show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. Um, There's nobody that we've looked at and gone, we have to copy them. Because, (laughs) you know, that would kind of be dishonest of us to be like Mm -hmm. oh they do this really well let's just do that 
um you know for like for example i saw all time low support green day at um emirates stadium in london a few years ago and it was obvious from all time low's show that they'd been watching green day every night because they were incorporating a lot of the crowd interaction that green day does in their set with their set and i was like dude you can't just rip something off and carry it off as your own because it's not your own you know yeah and you so can we try that. and work with like things that we like that people have done and figure out how we can achieve the same feeling that they've achieved in our own way um a few years back we did a tour with a band called fvk fearless vampire killers who aren't around anymore um and that today is honestly one of the best tours I've been on, not just because it was a good tour, but, you know, that band have the community aspect of touring down to a T. Not only are they a great live band, they take care of everybody off stage. you know, whether you're a fan or, you know, um, somebody working behind the bar or, you know, the guy in the box office, whoever it is, they make sure that everyone in the venue is part of, of the show, not necessarily on the stage part of the show but they they go out of their way or they did go out of their way to make sure that everybody was comfortable and everyone was enjoying themselves um and so that that definitely is something um we played with creeper of, of, who are dear friends of ours um last year and uh will their singer just he's got this there's something about him where he'll just go on stage and everyone shuts up and looks at him you know like he, he he would just stand there before a song starts saying nothing, doing nothing, but the whole room looks at him for what he's going to do next. And I think that level of um, attention from the audience is something that, that mm -hmm. I think every band aspires to, you know, like you just want everybody to be completely zeroed in on you. Nobody's on Twitter. There's not a single face in the crowd that's lit up by their phone, um, which in this day and age is like unheard of. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's loads of others, you know, um, touring with as it is, was obviously amazing. Um, those, those guys are fantastic. Um, Pat is such a great front man. Like he just makes everybody around him happier when he's on stage, which is quite an impressive feat. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there are so, there are so many, like I said, I think every band that you play with in some way, um, <laughs> influences you. Yeah, absolutely. And you just led me perfectly to one of my next questions which is, would you prefer to be playing punk music as you are now? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> well, I was born in the wrong era, in the wrong city, in the wrong country. <laughs> um, Naturally. I should have been born somewhere in New York in, you know, whenever it was the late fifties or something because you know obviously i'm a massive ramones fan but there's just something about that cbgb scene that you know you had so many great bands and such a genuinely cutting edge not cutting edge is the wrong word um it was just like it was just like that that is just where i, I would have would have liked to have been you know, mm -hmm. um, and I don't think there's ever going to be anything like it again, unfortunately. Um, no, definitely not like the underground scene at least. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, certainly over here in, you know, across the whole of the UK, the underground scene is a very difficult place to be. 
um you know you've got music venues closing everywhere and you know i i'm, I'm very jaded when it jaded when it comes to the the kind of rock music industry in the uk because to me it, it a lot of the time it seems that it's a race to the kind of commercial bottom do you know what i mean like yeah everybody's using backing tracks and incorporating um pop music elements and while there is a lot of merit in that um to me the best rock and roll bands in the world no matter their size would be able to turn up at the joiners in southampton with an hour's notice grab their gear throw it on the stage and just be able to play and i think if you look at what i consider the best the best kind of rock bands and, and metal bands as well like green day metallica foo fighters you could put any of those in a 200 cap venue give them an hour to set up some guitars and you know a few pedals and whatever and they could just kill it mm -hmm. and you know i think a lot of bands would would struggle with that now because they need so much stuff that's not part of a real and i, I re i mean real in the most literal sense as in like a person being on stage and playing an instrument they need so much stuff that isn't that to make their live show what it is yeah that you know so that's yeah i, I just want to be I want to be in CBGB's in 1974 and watch the Ramones play their first show. That's what I really want to do. <laughs> oh. I want to be I want to be with Dave Vaney and joining a band in London. You know what I mean? I just want to, you know, be part of the Damned or something. Right. <laughs> so jumping back to like present day, when you perform, are you bothered by audience members? Like you said, like being on their phone or filming and taking pictures? Or is that just part of the culture now that yeah, you kind of have difficult to embrace one, it? Isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult because I know, I accept that social media is basically the way that people live their lives now. But at the same time, you don't get the same experience when you're looking through your Snapchat camera. So, you know, I always forget to take photos at shows because I'm too busy having a good time. Also, I've got a beer in one hand and a phone in the other and I've got, there's nothing left to watch the show. Um, but generally, we... Like the, when we're when we're on a support show, the, the way that I kind of um, gauge how we're going down is in between songs. You know, are people chatting to their mates? Can you see all of their faces because they're being lit up and they're all looking down on Twitter? You know, texting their friends saying this band sucks, or are they looking at you? Mm -hmm. Are they engaged? Do, have they bought into what you're doing? Even if they're not going nuts in the songs, which is fine because they're probably waiting to see the headliner and they've never heard of you. But are they? Are they are they really watching you? Are they really in the moment, or are they, you know, watching a cat, you know, <laughs> make friends with a dog on Twitter? Like, you know, it's such a big difference yeah. there. So it it like I understand it, but does it bother me when people are not paying attention and and we're playing a show? I, I think as a performer, it, generally it does. If you're yeah. an actor and you're in a play and somebody's on the phone, you know, at the back of the auditorium, it's probably going to bother you. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I only ask because I realized last night that I am terrible at taking pictures in the sense that I take a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, because I genuinely go back through them, which I feel like a lot of people don't do. I like yeah. to capture moments and then go back and be like, all right, I was really happy at this point in time. So I was like, wow, it must be really frustrating for the people on stage to look out and see a sea of um, cameras, even if people are watching them. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I don't I don't mind taking people taking photos at all. You know, I understand that that's part of the, the the experience nowadays. But the only thing that really bothers me is when everyone like tries to talk over the quiet bits in the songs and 
I'm mm. just like, yeah, okay, dude, yeah. go to the bar. Like, if you're not enjoying it, you don't have to be here. You know? Leave. Yeah. See, I'm like completely the opposite. I forget to, I well, I'll take like a picture during the first song and then usually just completely forget that I even have a phone. It's a problem. Yeah, so, I'm the yeah. Same. I just can't, I can't focus on my phone if I'm trying to get into what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of the same. I wish I was that way. I'm going to try to be more like that way. <laughs> no, no. I mean, like, honestly, you know, as as a touring as a touring band, if, if you come off stage and people are already tweeting about you, that's important, you know? Right. So, like, I think it's a balance. Like, for me, it's just I'm always in the moment. But people have a different, their own different ways of being in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, someone could be like, oh, I'm really enjoying this. I want to remember this, you know, tomorrow. And so I'm going to take a picture and post about it online or whatever. And that is a massive part of being in a band. So I don't think it's necessarily well, a right way and wrong way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, because I always, I always like, man, I should have taken like at least a few more pictures so I could remember <laughs> something from that. But it's anyway. So I think yeah. there's yeah. merits to both. No, I wish ways. I took more pictures. But... Yeah, for sure. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right. Uh, I feel like I skipped over. Oh, do you have any favorite shows that you've played or tour moments that you'd want to highlight? Loads. Lay them on us. <laughs> loads and loads and loads. There's, I mean, I, I'm only going to talk about one, otherwise I'll be here all day. Um, <laughs> okay. I generally talk too much about my own band because, you know, I love it. Um, <laughs> so a couple of years ago, we released this EP called Somewhere Else, and that was the first time that we really tried to basically be nobody else but ourselves, regardless of whether we thought people would be into it, if you see what I mean. Um, and we came to release it. We played this place called Thousand Island in London, um, which is a cool little club. Um, and we got to this slow song, which we'd put on the EP. And I really wanted to play it live because, you know, I think it's really cool. Uh, it's called Beauty and Darkness. And it's just, I, I think it's cool. And it's got this weird ass chord progression. That, like, I, I don't understand music, so I don't know what it does, but it sounds cool. Um, and there's this bit in the pre-chorus where, you know, I kind of go up an octave mm-hmm. and it was very, very close to a sellout, which was a big achievement for us at the time. And I kind of thought that the slow song would be the bit where people are looking at their phones or going to the bar or chatting to their friends or just taking a bit of a breather. But it got to the pre-chorus and when I went up the octave, people singing back at me was so, so loud that like, I... I like immediately my my mind just went completely blank and I was like wow that is nuts and it was the first time that it kind of you know because being in a small band you know you you appreciate people coming to your shows but they're never going to have the same level of fandom as as they are of you know Alkaline Tree or Green Day or something mm-hmm. you know it's, it's never going to be the same atmosphere at a, a small club show with a band that is you know still kind of starting out and that was just crazy like i almost <laughs> forgot the words <laughs> you're yeah. like all right i'm done now bye <laughs> um just been delivered a bloody mary oh, so oh, jealous. Awesome. good for you so what's better from the stage perspective would you rather play like a festival or a small venue what atmosphere do you prefer um i like them both you know it's a very very different yeah, of course um I love playing in the sun. Um, I love playing outside. I love playing to people that have never heard my band before. 
but our band has been built through like this weird group exorcism <laughs> in tiny sticky floored sweaty <laughs> venues where you know you, you just you there's nothing to replace that you know yeah. there is yeah. nothing to replace going to a punk show in a basement where you know the sound is just in your face and the band are in your face and you go there knowing nobody and you sweat on each other and you know people are laughing and crying and screaming and like there is nothing to replace that for me so I think you know for me I would always take a sweaty punk show over everything else I think pretty much in the world I yeah I, I, I'm right there with you <laughs> I feel that too it's uh we used to have a venue in the basement of a church which is weird oh my um that is awesome. <laughs> it was really cool especially because you know you feel like you're going to be smited out of the basement but anyway um uh, <laughs> it's like i've had more fun at some of those shows with a bunch of shitty metal punk bands that nobody knows than i've had at like big music festivals with bands that everybody's seen you know so i think yeah. there's a certain you can't get that feeling of those venues anywhere else. It's not, it's not, it's never yeah. going to be the same. It's yeah. a very unique experience. For sure. People are either into it or they're not as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? Like when you describe it to somebody, they're like, so it, the floors are sticky <laughs> and, you're, and you're sweaty and you're sweating and, and and the music's really loud, so loud that you think you might, your eardrums might burst. And I'm like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> and they just like, they just kind of like, right, well, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so. You sometimes there's just people that do not get it, but uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this question, I don't have a real good way to segue into it because it's very like random. You have very, very stylized music videos. Can you. Yeah. Can you detail some of the thought processes that go into them? Super cool. Well, we make them all ourselves. Like... You do all the filming? I, yeah. Well, as in, I try not to, but I normally end up doing it. Because, like, <laughs> my quote-unquote day job is in kind of video stuff. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, so I'm very, very particular. Um, I don't want to just go and give somebody else some money to go and make the video that they want to make, you know? Yeah. Um, so we have a, a very, I mean, generally we have a very strong DIY ethic anyway, because why pay somebody else to do it if you can do it yourself? Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, so we've always really tried to do them ourselves exactly how we want them to be. Obviously that's not very easy when you don't have big budgets, you know? Um, but we try and get as much of a, a kind of big production feel in with our very, very limited resources. Um, so for example, the Docs and Churches video, I spent weeks scouring the internet for uh, old school movies that have slipped into the public domain, which basically means like their cop copyrights expired or they were incorrectly copyrighted to begin with, or, you know, there's, there's loads of reasons why they slip into the public domain, but I basically scoured the internet for weeks and weeks and weeks because I really wanted a film noir feel for the video and the most e the easiest way of getting that is to just get actual film noir right yeah like, you can film film noir these days but you know it's very very difficult to get right 
So mm. we, we worked with the platform of existing film noir stuff from actual movies. We've got Vincent Price in it, um, who's obviously like the godfather of horror. We've got Angela Lansbury in it, who's an amazing actress. Um, and, you know, so the, the, the content of those movies just fitted so perfectly with what we wanted that we were like, we are not going to do any better than this ourselves, you know? So we shot performance based on all of that. Um, and that's that's a really good example. We start with the idea and then we're like, right, okay, what resources do we have and how can we make the best out of them to achieve the thing that fits best with the song and communicates the song in the most eloquent and not always obvious because I think obvious music videos are kind of cliche and lame, you know? Mm-hmm. But how can we do this the best way that we possibly can with what we have available to us, you know? Absolutely. It worked out so well. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of yeah. it. In the end, <laughs> considering that was done for literally no money. <laughs> it was really, really cool. And because you don't see a lot of people using that style of. Yeah, it, it was kind of like anymore, a horror punk thing 10 years ago. Yeah, it's cool. Know? Right. Um, like 10 years ago, horror punk bands were kind of using like the quotes to open their albums and all this kind of stuff. And I'm a big horror punk fan. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, let's do that. That'd be fun. <laughs> All right. So we're going to kind of transition into a couple more like lighthearted, fun questions just to phase out, if that's okay with you. Sure. So they're random as hell. Some of them are based off some questions that we've posed on the podcast previously that we've had for discussions. And then we kind of just got a random, random one at the end. So what would your favorite throwback song be? Or favorites? Oh. If you were to make a playlist of like songs that reminded you of like a really really good time in your life, oh, out of all the songs in the world, to a throwback from my life or like an old song that I love, either or you can yeah in general you can pick a few if you it's want. a pretty open question <laughs> I won't limit you. Sheena is a punk rocker by the Ramones. That's one. a good one. Can I have one? can Great. I have more than one? Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Okay, uh, at the hop by Dan- Danny and the Juniors. Oh is great yeah american graffiti if you've ever seen american mm-hmm. graffiti of course which yeah is a great film by the way um and yeah let's go with those two otherwise it'll take me ages. <laughs> love it all right and if you were going to be arrested for a crime any crime what do you think it would be oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speeding <laughs> uh, drunk and disorderly how fast are you going? You're going to get... <laughs> yeah, I drive a very old, very slow van and I've been done for speeding in it. So, um, yeah, that probably drunk and disorderly uh, and trespassing, probably. <laughs> I love it. Any of those. Awesome. All right. And the last one is, what's the largest animal you think you could successfully fend off with your bare hands? Ooh. Uh, that's a hard one right <laughs> my bare hands yeah yeah if this animal was going I for mean, your life dude i am a self-confessed beta male i'm a lover not a fighter and i'm not particularly good at either but <laughs> I'm right there i would say i'd have a pretty good chance against uh... let's go with like an elk Fend off a charging elk. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, because like they've got these big horns, but if you, you know, they're like, and their neck is quite strong, 
But if I could like get it stuck in a fence or like just use my sort of smarts to kind of, you know, <laughs> basically I'd try and outsmart an elk if I was fighting. <laughs> I love that, that answer. I was not expecting it and it was perfect. Usually it's like a chicken. I don't know. <laughs> I can't even just fight a chicken. Have track. you ever met a, like a mean rooster? Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I nope. don't even know if I can yeah. do that. Good. No. Hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> elk over chicken <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, amazing <all> right. <laughs> was there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we hopped off here no just um anybody listening check out my band because co- contrary to what i've said like I, I i might not know much about music but i think our songs are sick so uh they're so good listen to us and come to our shows I second that absolutely could you share your socials for us real quick yeah, sure. Um, Twitter and Instagram are both at Miss Vincent Band, um, and Facebook is like forward slash Miss Vincent Band. Um, we're not like meme heavy, like you know, so many bands try and be like super hashtag relatable. Um, we're just pretty <laughs> honest and transparent, and we're not particularly cryptic and stuff. So like, we yeah. try and be, we're just real. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're not we're mm-hmm. not a particularly, you know internet heavy band we're just who we are so come hang out on the internet with us all right awesome sounds good thank you so much for joining us not at all guys thank you so much for having me oh so much fun yeah it was a lot of fun we'll have to keep in touch let us know if you ever tour over here that is basically on the bucket list so um, <laughs> yeah we'll come hang out in indiana and in baltimore yeah right, just those two good. spots we can all go drink pbr together because that's like basically the two things i want to do is go on tour in the u.s and then go and drink shitloads of pbr we can so. make that happen <laughs> we'll get you a 30 case right down the street it'll be great sweet nice <laughs> all right will you enjoy good. the rest of your night enjoy that bloody mary i will do i will do all right thanks dudes we'll speak yep, to you in a bye. bit cheers guys later So here's a funny story about uh, what happened, like, as you were calling him on the call. So he followed us on um, on Instagram as as you were calling him. And uh, I looked at it and I said, oh, oh, shit. He ha- I didn't realize his last name was Marshall. He has the same name as the guitarist from The Cab. And I panicked. <laughs> And then I clicked it and I was like, oh, oh, this is Alex. This is who we're interviewing today. It was just so, it was very weird and very funny. I don't know why my brain was automatically like, the guitars from the cab is following us? That would be really funny and really random. I would have had to have like a 10 minute sit down by myself in a corner before we could even start the interview. (laughs) Uh, But that, uh, the interview was so much fun. Yeah, we must have talked for like 10 minutes after we got off the line about how much <laughs> yeah. we enjoyed having Well, it. and he talked a lot about the 50s music being something that he's really into. And like, I feel that I've got, I was just telling Elena, I'm, I think I'm going to like pull my record player out and just play <laughs> some old records I have in a little bit. <laughs> no, he definitely catered to both of our interests. For sure. I would say. It was awesome. <laughs> All right. So. 
We're just going to wrap up today's episode. If you want to follow us on socials, you can find us at I'm Not Okay Pod on Instagram and Twitter, or I'm Not Okay I Podcast on Facebook. And as always, you can email us with any questions, comments, stories, would you rather questions, murder mysteries, <laughs> at I'm Not Okay Pod at gmail.com. I can't promise we'll solve your mysteries, but we'll, we'll read them. We can try. <laughs> We'll read them. They're very interesting to us. Also, if you have like a weird show story, I love hearing people's weird shit that happens at shows. It's like one of my favorite <laughs> things. Even if it doesn't happen at shows, just weird shit. Weird. I'm I'm cool with all weird shit. Yes. Just title it weird shit and send it over. <laughs> oh, and as always, you can join our Facebook group. It's called I'm Not Okay. I podcast group very very original it's uh uh, we could have thought of a better name but we didn't so but you can stay in the loop with our new finds and questions and memes all sorts of fun stuff over there so check it out for sure all right so i think that's it for now i guess uh i eat you dirt (laughs) finger guns (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're just going to keep adding to the end. <laughs>